Time to get you set up for all the weekend's betting action across the sports world. It's BetQL Weekend, only on the BetQL Network. All right, here we go. BetQL Weekend, the show where we try to fit a weekend's worth of sports into one action-packed hour. Mutt and Fritz, Jack Fritz from WIP, Mike Manansky, WEEI in Boston. A lot to talk about over the next hour. I, I, I pushed, I pushed, I pushed, folks to do a full hour Kentucky Derby preview because that's my passion. Uh, I have a lot of bets and ideas. Jack Fritz, you said if we did that, you would not be doing the show today. Yeah, and I, I don't want to uh, start pulling power moves only, um, but I did threaten <laughs> to fire Zach uh, last <laughs> night after gloating about his baseball team, and I threatened to leave the show if Mutt was going to make me talk about Derby uh, all, all show long. So, you know, it's, it's just putting your foot down and, and setting the tone early that we are not going to subject the listeners to all the Derby talk. But I do think it's important because I do think you know your horses, and I want to make sure that you are giving winners the people that like me, I don't know anything about these horses. I joke around about how I look them in the eye. It's the only way I know if they're going to win or not. Um, and, and and honestly, my derby winner is strictly off name and seeing, like, could I see this name being announced on the podium at NBC? Everything else, that's my bet, horse betting analysis. So I think it's important that the people listen to Mutt. So it's your moment, pal, and I'm proud of you. Can little Bob Costas be there with the microphone on Saturday night uh, there in Louisville? We will get yes. to uh, the derby later on. And I am glad. I was a little bit surprised uh, and happy to see you doing the show today. The Cinco de Mayo meltdown from the Phillies, uh, our show text thread. I, I was concerned that this was this is going to be it for you. You compared the Phillies lost Thursday night to the 0-2 NFC championship game. That is a fact. You did that. That's out there for everyone to see. Yeah, people didn't handle that well. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of like, how can you say that this isn't even close? It's a regular season baseball game. My only thing is like, listen, this is how I felt at the moment. It was a really, really tough night for me. Um, again, Zach was gloating about how great his team is. Everyone's like tweeting me this didn't age well, which is like, I don't know about you, Mutt, but there is not a worse response to get than a this didn't age well because I don't know, we we are paid to react in the moment, give strong opinions on our team. Um, and yes, what happened last night hasn't happened since I was two months old, Mutt. Two months old. 1994 is the last time the Phillies have done that. And it's just after last weekend, last Friday night, they get a combined no hit against. Scherzer hasn't lost a game since 2020 uh, on Sunday night. Uh, and then to have to sit there and watch them blow a 7-1 lead with that loser Pete Alonzo looking happy in the dugout, Brandon Nimmo smiling. Like, it's been a long 13 hours since that game has ended. And frankly, it's going to take a little bit longer for this one to get over. Listen, the Mets were only 0 for 330 when trailing by six or more runs uh, in the last, uh, what, 25 years or so, like you said, dating back to your, your two-month birthday. We'll get to your Phillies. We'll get to my Red Sox, who stink out loud right now. Just a bad baseball team. We'll start where the action is, I think, this weekend besides the Derby, and that is in the NBA. And you have an awesome doubleheader on Saturday. It kicks off with the Celtics and the Bucks. The Celtics are going to be two-point dogs. You get a total of about 213, 213 and a half, depending on where you're shopping right now. And I thought for my Celtics bouncing back in game two, Jack, that was huge, right? You fall down 0-2. Only one of the last nine teams that fell down 0-2 at home in the semis had actually won the series. That was the 94 Rockets who went on to win. Uh, a year without Michael Jordan. So we're not sure if that counts in the NBA. Uh, but it was basically saving their series on on the Tuesday night. Now we got to wait five days until game three. But the Celtics are back in it. Uh, they're an underdog again in this series. I grabbed them at plus 110 
after they lost that first game. And I'm curious what you think about the Celtics and Bucks heading into game three, Saturday, 3.30 on ABC. Yeah, well, my first thought is I'm annoyed that uh, it's been a week since they've played. And meanwhile, we're, we're still waiting on Joel and B's decision. Uh, we, we had two days to make that move. So, um, you know why? Do you know why we're not, we didn't play Friday night in Milwaukee? Why? Why? A concert called Hogfest, headlined by Godsmack. Yes, in 2022, oh. Godsmack and Hogfest delayed this thing from Friday to Saturday. So you can thank Godsmack for not letting us play basketball this week. Well, there's truly nothing worse than uh, heavy metal music. So uh, that sounds like a just a disaster. I agree. We, we agree on that. Common ground on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, um, I don't think the Bucks have enough. Like that was my 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 take from from game two. Was I just I don't see it. And I, I was watching Giannis, and I felt like I was watching a guy that was putting everything he could into it. But without Middleton, they just don't have enough. So they stole game one. Yeah. And I think for the rest of the series, that's going to kind of uh, make people overreact. But here's my thing, Mutt, is I think the Bucks take game three. And then that's when I double down on betting on the Celtics. Like, I would almost wait on a Celtics series odds once they go down 2-1. Because I think there's going to be a lot of emo- emotion. Uh, Giannis is going to kind of will that team to, to a victory there um, in game three. But I, I just... Overall, when I look at this series, the, the smart injury isn't that big of a deal to me. You know, I think he's trying to get back for, for game three. It seems like he's going to yep. be fine. Um, and other than that, like the, without Chris Middleton, unless Bobby Portis goes nuclear, unless Wes Matthews goes nuclear, like one of those random players has to step up. And that's not something I can bet on in the postseason. I can't just – I can put it in a, a same game parlay and probably end up losing, but I can, I can kind of have a feel. But when you when, – when you're talking about playoffs and talking about consistency, there's not enough guys on that team that I trust. I think Drew Holiday is a three. I don't think he's a two. I think he's a, yeah. a very good three. But other than that, like without Middleton, it's pretty much Giannis has to go for 40. And the Celtics just have a lot. I mean, even in game one, they just missed a ton of threes. Like if they yeah. hit six more of those threes they missed, they'd probably win it. And Giannis had, an out of, like, had a Giannis performance. So I just... I don't think the Bucs have enough, but I do think they win game three, and that's when I double down on the Celtics winning this whole series. Yeah, my, my lean on game three is not on either side. I think the total is going over in game three. You know, I think the Bucs are going to get home. They're going to shoot better. The Celtics are going to get open threes. I tried to make this point last week, and hopefully people took advantage because the Bucs give up the most three-point shots in the NBA, wide open threes, over 20 per game. The Celtics have shot 93, 93 three-pointers in two games, 50 in game one, 43 in game two. We talked to Brian Scalabrini uh, on our show in Boston this week, and he thinks they're going to shoot 40 or more threes every game the rest of the series. And so far through the books that I've looked at, they've not, they've not accounted for that in some of these over-unders on player props. You know, Al Horford, Marcus Smart will be back in game three, like you said, sounds like he'll play. Grant Williams, like th- there's a prop posted for him at over one and a half. He's really good for two or three-pointed shots, especially taking 40 in this game as a team. So I'm with you. I could see the Celtics losing game three. I still like them to win the series. But I think the total uh, over 213, 213 and a half is something I'm looking at uh, on Saturday afternoon, Bucks getting back home. And as you're building out your bets, if you're looking through player props, if you're doing what Jack does, which is play these humongous, big money, same day parlays, make sure you're including the, the three-point props in there. Because the yeah. Celtics are going to – I think the, the point was made by Van Gundy on the telecast. Budenholzer is basically saying, hey, guys – we don't think an opposing team can hit X amount of their threes four times in a seven-game series. Well, 
We're going to find out. So it's it's built in. They're going to have to shoot three-pointers. If they don't hit their threes, they're going to lose the series. But I think between Tatum, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, they have enough three-point shooting, Jack, where I think they're going to win this series, even if they lose game two. And I do like the over. That'll be my my big lean on Saturday, over 213, 213 and a half. Now, this is a little dangerous, but uh, and I didn't run this Uh-oh. by you but before Uh-oh. we did the show. But is this our first BetQL weekend show bet? Because I also love the over in, in this game as well. Uh-oh. And that's probably not a great idea. You know, that it, when, when the show is all on one side, it's probably yep. best to go the opposite way. But what you laid out of three-point shooting is dead on. And the Bucs are just a much better shooting team at home. I mean, I, yeah. teams just I, – I can see Bobby Portis having a big night, Grayson Allen. Like, they have all these guys that can hit threes um they weren't able to do do it in game two up in boston but at home they should definitely be able to and then you factor in all the celtics do his his shoot threes now i think jalen brown welcome to the series you know i mean uh, he he looked like he was finally ready to play huge yeah 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 and and again like grant williams is the perfect kind of guy when you're if you're looking at the the, you, you have your your big totals for for a parlay and you need like oh let me add this guy in at the end i mean two plus threes and then it's just it, it it all bears out to an to an over, um, especially Marcus are not being 100 percent and the Bucks defense without Middleton not being as locked down. All right. So BetQL weekend is going to be on the over on Saturday. Uh, how about on Saturday night? I mean, I, I know you conceded the West to the Phoenix Suns. You think it's a fait accompli. They're going to win. I'm still on the Warriors. And now we get the emotion of Gary Payton hurt. Steve Kerr calling out, this is this is what I needed. The emotion to push them into the Western Conference Finals and into an NBA Final. Uh, they're tied up 1-1 and still win the series. I still like them uh, at the odds they're going to be, I think, against the Suns. I'd prefer them at their price versus the favoritism of the Suns right now. Uh, is this a Suns walkaway, or do you give the Warriors any chance? And do you like the Warriors in Game 3 or in this series against Memphis? Yeah, honestly, like, I, I think the whole Draymond thing is really just him firing his team up. I mean – it's hard for it's hard for teams that have done it over and over again. You've seen it with with your Patriots for twenty plus years now. It feels like, but it's hard for for teams that have been there to keep having the same energy and keep having the same kind of will to win. And honestly, this whole Draymond thing, it feels like that's what he's trying to do because he knows that it may they might be lacking a little bit um, when it comes to the intensity to try to make it back to a. Uh, to, to a finals uh, for the first time in a couple of years. So um, I definitely like the, the Warriors in the series. And frankly, I think they roll in game three. Um, wow. You know, John Moran had to put up 47, eight and eight just to win by five at home. Uh, it took a, it took a, a, you know, game one was obviously close. So I think, I, I think the Warriors are like way better at home. They've been way better at home during their entire um, run here. Clay has been insanely cold, just yeah. insanely cold the road. When he gets home, gets back in the chase center, uh, I was kind of riding this wave towards the end of the year. I, I feel like I took four plus threes for Clay um, down the stretch when he came back. And I love that um, heading back home. So, uh, I, you know, Jordan Poole should probably be playing more. They should probably go that death lineup more. And without Desmond Bain being 100%, I don't know where he is. I know. Uh, he was questionable for, for game two. I don't know what his status is heading into game three, but that Memphis team is not the same uh, w- w- without Desmond Bain being a, a factor. I mean, he was their second best player all throughout the year. He had five points on, on Tuesday night. So 
Um, if he can come back and be 100%, I think they might have a shot. But without him being 100%, I think the Warriors roll and and end this series in, in five or six. And I liked your point about Jolic. He had to go for 47 for them to win that game and the emotion of the injury and everything to follow late. Like, I, I think there is some, some positive momentum on the Warriors' side. Uh, the seven points is a big number, but, it, you know, forced to play it. I'm with you. I think them off the emotion, the suspension, obviously in game three, I, I do think uh, that'll be a big win for them. They're going to go on to win the series. As you're looking ahead, Jack, would you have any interest? We, we were talking a little bit off the air uh, with Zach, our producer, about some of the NBA futures out there. You can bet on a team to to win right now, win the, the NBA finals. We can also bet guys to win the MVP. And I was looking at the Celtics, for example, right? The Celtics are five to one to win the NBA championship. Well, Jason Tatum is almost eight to one to win the MVP. And I'm curious if you if you can get bet, a better number on one of the star players, one of the teams you liked, would you would you be comfortable investing in that in a future at this point versus the team knowing that the Celtics win the NBA title? It's going to be Jason Tatum win the finals MVP. Yeah, that's actually a really fascinating point you bring up. And it kind of feels like if you can get it, that the NBA media is laying the groundwork here for a Chris Paul finals MVP if they if if they finally do win it. Um, because obviously well, that's interesting. Uh, you, you, you can get it. So right now the Suns are two to one. They're the big time favorite to win the championship. Chris Paul is six to one right now. Look at the, the fan duel odds, six to one to win the MVP. Whereas Devin Booker is like four and a half to one. So if you want to buy into the narrative street stuff, then there yeah. you go. You're getting three times the price. You think the Suns are going to win the NBA title. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, he's been quoted as Mr. Fourth quarter this whole postseason, So now yeah. he's got that whole narrative going. He's 37. This would be his first title. It'd be like a legacy defining thing. Um, and I don't know about, about you, Mutt, but I don't think he's slowing down. I mean, this, this version of Chris Paul is just so lethal. He kind of just toys with teams for the first three quarters. If the Suns need him, then it's just like, okay, here's Mitch rattle off 10 straight. Like the, the Chris Paul run we are seeing right now, um, it, it's it's high, high level, all-time play from a guy who's 37 years old. And frankly, as a Sixers fan, needing our guy to step up in James Harden, it's frustrating yeah. watching a guy that's five years older uh, be able to have some throwback performances while our guy can't get around uh, Tyler Hero. So um, it's been it's been frustrating. But Chris Paul, if, if we were in that scenario, I would be all over. Yeah, he's six to one. Some of their prices here. Steph Curry's five to one versus say three to one for the Warriors right now. Well, and Steph's uh, never won one. And Steph's never won one. And I think if they do win it, I think again narrative stream where... like the the narrative of oh, it's t Steph's turn to win an NBA right. Finals MVP. And I only bring it up because and there's some added in risk because let's say for example the Celtics win and Jason Tatum gets hurt, he won't be the MVP obviously. But if you think that hey, if this team's going to win. I'll take the risk of the better odds because he's the only guy who can win the MVP. Just it's another way you can do it. And by the way, there's great hedging opportunities there because you have seven and a half to one of the Celtics versus five to one. You can do different stuff on the other side to sort of hedge when you get to the final. So I'm looking Love forward to the double header on Saturday. What's that, Jack? Love a good hedge. You know, we, so, we yeah, always had. Listen, yeah, I'm not. It's not for everybody. But hey, you want to make sure you get cash something. You can do that. Uh, we got the NFL heading into the second stage of free agency. We got the Patriots and Philly, uh, the, 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 fly, the Eagles, your Eagles front and center. We'll get to the NFL next. BetQL weekend here on the BetQL Network.
Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Mananski and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. Hope you're having a great weekend. It's BetQL Weekend. It is Mutt and Fritz. Jack Fritz, WIP on Twitter. Mutt, W-E-E-I on Twitter for my horse racing picks. Jack's ridiculous uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies uh, comparisons to the O2. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we got just a lot as of NBA. By the way, Mike, yeah. just as important. <laughs> just, of course, of course, it is. Uh, a lot of NBA to start the show. The NFL uh, it never goes away. We joked about uh, the draft and the the commodity now the draft is. Uh, the offseason is now a whole thing of its own. Tom Kern, who writes uh, for the Patriots, NBC Sports Boston, did a whole column on now the second stage of free agency. This stuff never ends. There are futures out there to talk about, including. How about the Arizona Cardinals who got they got nailed with a suspension here? The trade happened. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw happen here with the Cardinals and the suspension of Hopkins. He's out six games. Says he did nothing. Not his fault, but six-game suspensions. That affect your opinion of the Cardinals heading to this uh, next season here, Jack? Well, I don't know how it doesn't. Uh, I mean, last year they were one and four. Uh, Kyler was one and four without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. So um, it, ever since DeAndre has gotten there, he's kind of taken that team to another level. Um, and I, I know they got Marquise Brown, and I, and he's, I guess he's fine. Like maybe we throw him with a real, you know, passing quarterback in Kyler Murray. You'll see a different level of, of Hollywood Brown. Um, lost Christian Kirk, obviously. So um, I guess like he's the replacement for him. I don't yeah. know how you uh, just mistakenly take Beaver tranquilizer, but maybe that maybe that's something you do in your in your off time. But but, <laughs> but Listen, I mean, I, many people over, have it's accused over the you. counter. I, I mean, if it's over the counter. I just take it. I don't know what's in it. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, many people have accused you of using performance enhancers on this show. Oh, big time, uh, just, big time. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm de- I'm taking performance decliners, uh, given my same game <laughs> parlay uh, streak I've been on here. But like the Cardinals, without without DeAndre Hopkins, I mean that that offense is just fine. Um, and I don't know about you, but I do like betting on vibes. And the vibes on that Cardinals team just seem weird. You know, the whole offseason, it's been this whole, like, I, I, I don't understand the idea of not paying a quarterback that you took number one overall that, that has gotten better every single year, has improved your record every single year, and trying to, to play hardball with them. I just, like, quarterbacks are, are different, you know, different than any other star in sports right now, where if you don't have one, you basically can't compete for a Super Bowl unless yep. you build, like, a super talented lineup around them. Um, I just don't understand the idea of hardballing your quarterback that has objectively made your team way better. It, it seems dumb. So they have that going on. I think Kingsbury's a bit of a loser and not very good. Um, so <laughs> I, I just I, – I, the vibes just seem off on that Cardinals team. I mean, the, the Kyler Murray seems like a guy that none of his teammates really like getting along with him. It, it, missing DeAndre Hopkins for six games, that's one in four last year without him. So – Definitely seems like a season from hell uh, uh, aspect here for this Cardinals team. Yeah, so I, I'm the vibes thing. This is a new one. We have to explore that on a different show, betting on vibes and trying to figure out which, what the good vibes and the bad vibes are. But just I'm not sure. Is Kyler a really an upper echelon quarterback? Like, I think the Cardinals, Jack, are asking the same thing with the extension. As you said, the back and forth of the social media stuff. Like, I, I didn't like the Cardinals anyway heading to this year. I certainly like them less that they're going to be relying on Hollywood Brown and Andy Isabella and Rondell Moore as their receivers with Kyler Murray, who's in this weird year with and the most important thing you said. Evan Silva established the run is called in this. I've heard him say this. He's a fake sharp. Like everyone thinks Kingsbury is a super sharp guy. 
I think he's a bit overrated. I think he's more about his substance reputation than he's actually on the field. And then Kyler, the way he ran around last time we saw him, he was awful in that weird Monday night wildcard playoff game. He was atrocious in that spot. And like, I'm with you. Maybe it's vibes. Maybe it's just, I don't think Kyler Murray might not be that upper echelon top 10 quarterback, but I didn't like him going into the year anyway in that division, in that conference. And I have no interest in them now. Uh, and if their you know, team future was somewhere in the middle of eight and a half, nine wins, I'd be fine playing the under on the Cardinals heading into next year. Well, and they play uh, four games against the Rams, who just won the Super Bowl, and the yeah. Niners, who I still think are really good. Um, and actually, you know, I was looking at it today, and they still have the second second best odds in the NFC West to, to win the division. And it seems like if you wanted, it looks like Debo's coming back. So, yeah. and so if you want to kind of jump on those odds while there is some still um, insecurity, I guess, of if he's Who's their quarterback, back or not, Jack? Who's their quarterback? Nick? That, I think, if they're smart, I think they come back with Jimmy G. Like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you sell to a team that was just in the NFC Championship game that we're going to go with this kid who, uh, I think we would know if Trey Lance was the next Pat Mahomes. Because with Pat Mahomes, we heard all the rumors that whole year about this guy looks unbelievable yeah. in, in practice. Like you started hearing leaks from from Chiefs players about how good this guy was. We haven't really heard that about Trey Lance. I mean, this whole offseason, it's basically been Steve Young and Joe Montana like begging Tom Brady to come there. Um, and <laughs> where are they get where are they getting that idea from? I mean, they're getting that idea from what they're hearing from the team, which I believe is that. Trey Lance is probably not ready for the job. I mean, it, it's a big ask to say to a guy who was at North State that didn't play much there, only had limited time in training camp to say, hey, we have a roster that's ready to win the Super Bowl right now, and you have to put us over the top. I think that's a massive ask. So they still have Jimmy G under contract. Why not come back one more year? I mean, his re I don't know how his record is so good. I think a lot of it has to do with that team, but I don't know how you sell to a roster that can – that was very close to being, um, you know, in the Super Bowl last year. They had a fourth quarter lead that they're going to move away from a quarterback for a guy that is really unproven. So if, if I'm the Niners, I'm coming back with with Jimmy G running this thing back for one more year while Trey Lance uh, continues to get ready. Well, it's funny. Friday morning, Mike Lombardi who covers the NFL Network. He's been around the league. He he had a report, uh, I believe, it was on his podcast where basically the 49ers continually are unimpressed with Trey Lance. So now they're leaking that stuff out, Jack, to your point. What a spot to be in. They've tried to jettison Garoppolo for Kirk Cousins, for Tom Brady, anyone with a pulse. And you're right. It is probably their best bet to come back. Uh, they're seven and a half to one to win the NFC. Cardinals are 13 to one. It's, it's not a good of a price, but I would be much more inclined to bet the, the 49ers to come out of the NFC at seven and a half to one. Cause I do think unlike Kingsbury, I think Shanahan is pretty good. Like he, he had a meltdown in the Super Bowl as the offense quarter for the Falcons. I, I put that more on the coach than him, but he he gets the most out of his offenses. They, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is just okay, and he is in big spots made him look like a upper echelon NFL quarterback. So well, uh, I'm with you of those two. I'd be the 49ers over the Cardinals. Have you played any futures yet? Uh, it's 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 a tough thing because you're you're asking yourself to invest money. It's going to sit there basically for what eight nine months, whatever it is, until the end of the season. So I don't do a lot of futures this time of year. I played one this week. So I want to talk about, have you played any futures yet this year in the NFL? Uh, I, I put some down on the, the Titans under. Um, I, oh, nice. it, we, we, we talked about vibes, 
you know, with the, with the Cardinals. I'm kind of, <laughs> vibes, yeah. I'm kind of banking on vibes here as well. I mean, yep. Ryan Tannehill's a, a guy who's complaining about having to mentor uh, Malik Willis. And I actually don't disagree with him. You know, like Tannehill's kind of still in his prime. Um, and he's trying, like, he, they were the one seed in the AFC last year. Um, they have a, a Super Bowl window now. And I, I, I honestly would rather him be more focused on trying to win football games than mentor Malik Willis. So I, I do kind of get his point. But just the fact that that's out there, I'm sure some of his teammates were like, all right, Ryan, relax. Um, you know, I'm sure that was kind of off. They just traded A.J. Brown, which I don't know if you saw Mike Vrabel's reaction, but he was pretty upset about it um, in the draft room. And I think you said like a week before the trade, like we 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 need to keep AJ Brown. Like it doesn't no, matter. You no, know, I'll, I'll take a step further. He said we will never trade AJ Brown as long as I'm head coach. That's exactly okay. what he said. And they traded right. him a week later. Yeah. So that seems like they're not. And I think Traylon Burks can be a pretty good player, but we're asking him He's to not AJ Brown. No. Exactly. We're asking to replace AJ Brown. So um, under nine and a half, uh, they are still a a run heavy team with with, with Derrick Henry, who they'll should be fully healthy for this entire season on like last year. But even, even so, um, then you're putting a lot of pressure on Ryan Tannehill to, to keep this team afloat. And without AJ Brown, I don't know who he goes to. I, I don't, I don't trust the receivers there. Um, so I, I think that they're, the vibes are off of Tennessee. I never thought they were that great last year. They're a run based offense, but even if you want to be a run based offense, you still have to beat teams through the air at some point. It is 2022 in the NFL. So, um, and Tannehill's gonna have to beat him. And I, I just, I don't trust him to consistently be able to do that over uh, the new 17 game schedule. All right. So you're under on the Titans. I, I, I placed my first future bet on, uh, my guy, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders over eight and a half wins for a couple reasons. One, I think Josh is really underrated as an offensive mind in the NFL. The Patriots are going to really, really miss him running their offense. Obviously the Devonte Adams trade was huge for them between Adams and Waller. They reinvested in Derek Carr who I think Josh McDaniels will make better. So offensively, I like all of it. And then their schedule, man, they get they get two, maybe the three worst teams in the AFC. They get to play the Texans at home, Jags on the road, and the Patriots, who right now I think are like the 12th, 13th best team in the conference, at least on paper, pretty close to the Jets, quite frankly, based on their offseason so far. Uh, they get those three teams. They get uh, the opportunity to play Seattle. They get your Tennessee Titans, who aren't very good. Pittsburgh is going to be a transition year. So they have an easier schedule than I expected when I looked at it when I placed the, the wager or before I placed the wager. I think they have a major upgrade offensively. And I think there's going to be a regression. I think Denver is being overrated in that division because they got Russ. And people just think he's going to show up. And they're going to be great. Uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs obviously lost some talent with Tyree Killen. So division a little bit down, easier schedule, offensive upgrade, eight and a half as the total, uh, minus 110. I placed my first future bet on the Vegas freaking Raiders this week. Am I, am I alive or dead heading into May? Uh, I think you're alive. Um, I, I like that bet a lot. Uh, obviously, the Adams and, and David Carr, uh, that whole thing. Uh, Derek Carr, sorry. It's not, it's not you know, <laughs> 2003 anymore. Um, so you, you, you have those guys. And also, like, last year was, a, was a, almost a disaster year for the Raiders. I mean, you had the whole Gruden thing. You had the unfortunate rug situation. You had another uh, another first-round pick. Like, he got kicked off the team as well. So, yeah. And Derek Carr kind of held that team together. So uh, that is a, a year in the past. You have Carr. You have, you have 
Devontae Adams, you have Waller. It, it does feel like a Raiders year. The one thing that has given me cause for pause with that is I do think they played really hard for that special teams coach. And I, I think that they wanted him to be the head coach this year. So I am curious to see how McDaniels does trying to win over a locker room that I think was starting to be sold on the, the special teams coach that took over once Gruden was fired. But other than yeah, that, I'm everything else makes sense. I'm banking on Josh doing what Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick struggled mightily in Cleveland, got a second opportunity, and went out there was uh, obviously with the Patriots. He, Tom Brady certainly helps, but he, he figured it out uh, in New England. I think I think Josh is going to do something similar. How, how about your Eagles? I, I see a number of eight and a half. The dust is settled. You partied all weekend with the draft. You got all the guys you wanted. You got Davis up front. You got A.J. Brown. Eight and a half for that. How do you feel about your Eagles heading into next year? Well, they won nine games last year, and I didn't think they were that great. Um, and the thing is, a lot of that had to do with the quarterbacks they played. The quarterbacks they played last year was the worst crop of quarterbacks I've ever seen uh, the Eagles play. It was it was insane. So, um, but a lot of people thought, oh, well, they're going to play a tougher schedule this year, so they they should struggle more. But as you go through the schedule, I mean, uh, Packers without Devontae Adams. You have the Jaguars at home. You have the Titans at home. You have the Steelers without Big Ben. You have the nice. Saints without Sean Payton. Um, and then you still have, obviously, your division, which isn't, like, knockdown, drag out great. Road games, you have Bears, Lions, Texans, Cardinals. And then – so there's it's not an insanely hard schedule of a year where they already had a very – uh, not impressive schedule. So um, I feel really good about the team and, and <laughs> bring up fives again, but there is, there is genuinely good, good vibes around the Eagles team. I mean, AJ Brown and, and Jalen hurts are best friends. You add him to this offense last year. They were a run heavy team. You can't do that anymore. Um, I mean, AJ Brown is here. Devontae Smith in, uh, in his second year. Dallas Goddard got paid last year. So he's here. Uh, the offensive line is top five in the sport last year. So, um, you know, this whole idea of running the ball to, a, to another division is is out of whack. I actually like the Eagles to, if if you're looking for a future, to I think they have good odds to win the NFC East. I think the Cowboys are, are going to have a really down year. I'm not interested in them at all. Um, the Giants would be a little bit better, but they still don't have the talent. I mean, they literally have to release James Bradbury, which I think is crazy. Um, and Washington has Carson Wentz as a quarterback. So that sounds like a, a bet that I would love to bet against. So I actually like the Eagles a lot. Over eight and a half. They won nine games last year. This roster is better. Um, they have more talent on defense. Uh, I can't wait to see what Kobe Dean brings. And I just, uh, over eight and a half feels like a, a pretty safe bet when you're talking about this Eagles team. Yeah, if I were forced to pick one of our teams, uh, Eagles or Patriots, bet the over, I bet the Eagles. You know, I, I spent a lot of time this week in Boston on WEI talking about the Patriots offseason so far. Free agents that have left are, are not as good as the ones that have come in. You have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia being part of the offense. That's never good. The draft Where's class Bill is being canned. It's like, what's that? Where's Bill O'Brien? Bring him back. <laughs> they should have. Bill O'Brien should be running the offense right now, but he didn't want to go you know, screw with this guy Saban in Alabama. So it's Joe Judge and this guy Nick Haley no one's ever heard of. So uh, I think the Patriots are in for a rough season, a rough offseason. They're closer to the Jets than the Bills. That is a fact. A lot more NFL throughout the weeks here on BetQL Weekend. But coming up, we'll get to the Phillies who embarrass themselves in Cinco de Mayo. And I'll try not to embarrass myself with a Kentucky Derby pick. It is Mutt and Fritz BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network.
Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Menansky and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. One of the best weekends, quite frankly, on the American sports calendar. Kentucky Derby Weekend, BetQL Weekend. Mutt and Fritz hanging out with you guys, trying to squeeze an entire weekend of sports into this hour. Uh, I know, Jack, you have a derby pick. Uh, how much time did you spend on your derby pick before you came up with the, the pick for the derby? Uh, I looked at all the names, yep. and I tried to envision – can Bob Costas is this? Am I going to see this on Saturday? Um, so that's about the the time I spent. Um, I feel like if I started getting too deep into it, I would start thinking about it too much. Um, yep. So strictly gut feels over here. Um, and no, I did not pick Happy Jack, although that is my name. Oh, I thought for sure. All right, so I'll nope. let you go since since vibes have been the theme of the show. Okay, this edition. Which horse has the vibes? I'll let you go first because I've unfortunately spent literally hours getting ready for my uh, event at Mohegan Sun and the Kentucky Derby. So I've had the paralysis by analysis. You're going straight at it like a lot of our listeners, which I love. Uh, you give us the vibes, podium, Bob Costas pick for the Derby. All right. The vibes, podium, Costas, NBC, tomorrow afternoon, lock it in. Don't listen to Mutt. Listen to me. You know I'm a vibes guy. I'm going with a guy that I, a horse that I think can win the whole thing, uh, the whole triple count. And that is Epicenter. It is a superstar horse name. Um, I can't believe it's only seven to two to, to win the Kentucky Derby. It should be the favorite. It just sounds like a triple crown winner. Like sometimes you can just tell by the name that that's a, that's a triple crown winning horse. I mean, some of the names in there were frankly embarrassing. Mo Don- Donagle? No, no Donagle. shot there. Mo, Don- Mo Donagle. Terrible. Summer is tomorrow. Terrible name. Um, Messier is a pretty, a pretty good name. Named after Mark, named after Mark Messier. Yep. I would hope so. Charge it is corny. Tis the bomb is corny. Zandon makes no sense. So the, the single best name is epicenter. And if you have triple crown odds, hammer it. Okay. Uh, we started the show being on the over for the Celtics and turns out we're on, we're on the same horse for the Kentucky turn. Let's go. See, this is when we're, this is when you know we're in sync. You spent two minutes looking at it. I've spent months watching every prep race. Like I, I, I wish I should have brought all my stack of papers that I have, all my racing, all the horse racing books and handicap books I have next to me on the shelf here. Should move the camera and show you how embarrassing it is. Like this is my favorite time of year. I love racing. I love handicapping races. And Jack just said it. He's a potential super horse. Now there are two potential super horses in this race, in my opinion. One is Epicenter. The other is Zandon. They're both the favorites. And it, from a racing standpoint, the dream would be Epicenter with a lead, top of the stretch. Zandon coming late. He's a closer. Epicenter's a speed horse. And it's those two to the wire in the Kentucky Derby. That's the best case scenario. It's also the two favorites. So I can't give you both favorites as, as my top two horses. But Epicenter is fast, uh, like Jack, like he said. He's got vibes. Steve Asmussen has the vibiest hair uh, in horse racing as a trainer. He's the, the best trainer that's ever never won a derby. He's very, very due. Uh, oh, he's, he's got due. the best jockey in the world, Joel Rosario, riding him. He'll be forwardly placed inside post position. He ran an awesome Louisiana Derby where the jockey didn't even move at the end. He was so in cruise control late, he was able to put it home. I like Epicenter like Jack does. The vibes are there for Epicenter. The price horse I'll give you, folks, if you're getting ready for the Derby on Saturday, is the number 13 horse, Simplification. And Jack is simple. I'm surprised he didn't like this. He likes things simple for himself. This horse ran a very good Florida Derby. He was way too involved in the pace. He'll get a better setup this time. He'll be all of 20 to one. 
And so as a price play, the number 13 simplification, but it's 3, 13, 10 would be my top three. Epicenter, simplification, Zandon, and a little bit of Messier there on the bottom as a speed horse from California. But if it's a great derby. It's a good field. But Epicenter, you said it. He's got the vibes. We're on the same horse, buddy. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Now, let me ask you something. As a, yeah. as a sports better, as someone who loves this, what do you want in the derby when it comes to the kind of horse? Do you want the closer or do you want the speed guy? Because uh, that's it's a shorter race, right? Like the which which is no, the longer? No, it's a it's a it's a mile and a quarter. It's a long it's a long race. Right. A lot of these horses will okay. never run a mile and a quarter again. The longest is the Belmont, which is a mile and a half. But a mile and a quarter. There's only two horses in here, by the way, Epicenter and the horse who won the UAE Derby, uh, the Japanese horse who's getting a lot of buzz right now. They ran a mile and three sixteenths, which is just short of this. But nobody else has run a mile and a quarter. I'm glad you asked about the the, the pace versus closer for years. People love the chaos of the Derby because closers would come flying late. They changed how horses qualify for this now. And the last eight years, you've had to be in first, second, or third a mile into the race. So, Jack, you're right. You want a speed horse now at least to win. The closers who are running late, they can fill out the third, fourth, second, third, fourth spots for sure. But I want a speed horse, which is why Epicenter over Zandon, I prefer him because he'll be forwardly placed. And Zandon's going to have to close through traffic of 19 other horses to try to get there. And Speed has done very well at the Derby. Remember last year, Medina Spirito got DQ'd for Bob Baffert, who suspended for this race. He went wire to wire at a mile and a quarter. So Speed is good. Epicenter's got good early speed, good early position. And so I would be looking at uh, uh, for horses that be forwardly placed, faster horses versus closers on Saturday, at least in the win spot. Love that. Um, I know I tweeted last night how the Phillies lost uh, was worse than the O2 NFC Championship game. Um, it, I also could have put, <laughs> put on there Smarty Jones uh, not getting a, getting the job done back in like oh. 06. That was a crushing loss. Birdstone. Um, Birdstone. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And Barbaro tearing his ACL. Um, you know, oh. that was another. I missed what. It was a really fun time when we had Philly horses involved. It was, we had a good little stretch there of Smarty Jones and, and Barbaro and. That was during a time when none of our teams won anything, so we started clutching to horses as like Philly, <laughs> Philly championships. We almost had a parade for for Smarty. Um, so listen, I, it's funny because I don't pay attention at all to, to horse racing, but I genuinely love the Derby. Like it is, oh, awesome. it, it's the it's the it's the most exciting two minutes in sports for a reason. It's so fun, um, and I, I just I love the idea that Mutt, you spend so much of your life talking about horses and yep. uh, you, the stacks of paper, you know, and, and, right here, and, look and stacks of paper look, it's piled up. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is way too much. And within, betting on animals. Yep. That's what I'm doing. W w within 30 seconds, we both picked the same horse. I picked that, that, that is wild. And since it is a gambling show, uh, if you want to build your bankroll for the Derby uh, race, number six on Saturday at Churchill downs about one fourteen Eastern time. I want people to be, uh, it, Keep an eye on the number eight horse in junction. See, I got a little star next to him right there. I got a little money sign right there next to him. Uh, he's 15 to one on the morning line. He's the only speed in this race. He's going to go wire to wire. You guys will win at Churchill Downs in the sixth race on Saturday, the number eight horse in junction at 15 to one. That's going to get build your bankroll to then bet the vibes horse epicenter in the Kentucky. See how easy that now, is? Have you, That's have, you, have you been to Churchill Downs? Have you, have you I have. made your way? I was, I was at the Derby when Giacomo uh, won at like a million to one. It was my first Derby. I've not been back since. I'm not. I don't. I don't love crowds. Okay. I. I. I'm a stay at home. 
avoid the crowd type of guy. And the Derby is people upon people upon people. Like the biggest crowd thing I'll do is go to like a Pats game or go to, you know, uh, uh, occasionally I go to uh, Preakness for Pimlico. But the Derby, oh, it's it's a wild scene. You got to go at least once for the people watching. But I, I take it too seriously, man. I'm they're trying to bet the races. And there's 100 people in line trying to bet the horses. So I stay home or go to Mohegan Sun for the Derby. But it's an awesome event. You should try to get. Well, yeah, that's what I, I'm semi with you. Like I, I'll watch a casual sporting event with people, but when it comes to Eagles, Phillies, I got I need to be by myself. I don't want to be around any frauds, and that's kind of how I feel. Like you're 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 viewing the horse people at uh, the Kentucky Derby. No yes. frauds. No, no frauds. There, there, the vibes aren't there, buddy. There's there's people that just they're there to to bet and drink, and I'm there to bet and try to make some money, which we'll try to do. We both right. are trying to do with Epicenter uh, in the Derby on Saturday. Unbelievable that we landed on Epicenter. We'll get to our uh, Rebecca UL best bets here in a minute. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not uh, let you riff on your Phillies here for a second and any baseball uh, future odds that you've looked at here this week as we get into the uh, month of May in baseball for the Red Sox, who are terrible. So I have nothing to say other than they're a bad team right now. Yeah, and uh, the Phillies might be a bad team too. I'm just not ready to admit that. Uh, it's, it's far too early in the season. I've invested far too much of my time in telling people that this is going to be the end of the 11 season playoff drought. So um, it's been a really tough start to the season. Um, they can't they can't really get any consistency. Um, they continue to look lifeless. And if it's out there and I'm, I'm sure it is out there, I, I couldn't find it on on my book. But if you're looking for first manager fired. I, I do think Joe Girardi is a, is a play. I really do. Wow. Um, when it comes down to he's a, in a lame duck year, he does not have a contract post post this year before the season. Dave Dombrowski called him a fine manager, which doesn't exactly sound like <laughs> a, a ringing endorsement. Um, he, they are off to a slow start. They've gone over the luxury tax for the first time in in uh their franchise's history so they've invested a lot in trying to end a postseason playoff drop those players aren't going anywhere they can't make a trade so the only thing you can do mutt is move on from the manager and i know david bells is the favorite to kind of be the first manager fired because they've won three games which is insane is made it's baseball man how do you how do you only have three wins but, Why do we not have uh, the under? How do we not have an under uh, total wins bet on the Reds? That's a bad job by me. Oh, man. That is terrible work. But even Hunter Green, who's disgusting, is getting lit up by the Brewers yesterday because he's a bad fastball. He's got to fix the spin on that. So, um, but yeah, Joe Girardi, first manager fired. I think there's some value in it. And I think if they, I think if they, even on Monday, if they lose three or four to the Mets, I think Girardi could be moved on from it. It's really the only move they have. So um, it's been disappointing. And I am personally pushing the Phillies to hire 77-year-old Jim Leland. Bring oh Leland God. to Philly. Oh. Are you? Did you fall down? Jim Leland was still ripping butts in the dugout? That, that guy? 77. 77. Hey, Jack McKeon. 2003, 72 years old. They were, they were 16 and 22 when they fired their manager, ended up winning the World Series. Um, so, and listen, LaRusse is 77. Why not Leland? Are you going to give me Buck? Oh, he, you know, our producer is my producer, Zach, now. The one you wanted to fire after the Mets won. Buck Showalter season. He's, <laughs> that's what it is. Old school managers. Bring them all back in. Walpole, Joe Morgan. You're involved. No, no. You want a young analytics guy. You don't want no, an old guy. I do want that next year. I want Raul Banias. I want Placido Polanco. But for an interim basis, give me Jim Leland. And, uh, Mutt, I would just like to end the show real quick with baseball. 
it's just it's so nice that nothing's gonna go wrong for the Mets this year. They're gonna <laughs> run away with the with the NL East. Everything's fine. They're a great franchise that doesn't have a history of crushing losses. So um, I'm very proud of the Mets for for everything finally going right for this baseball team. And frankly, Zach, I'm so happy for him. He really deserves it. They may never lose a game again. People are saying that. Uh, there's odds out there they're going to feed the rest Nothing's of Nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to go wrong. Jack Fritz, WIP, Mutt, W-E-E-I. We're on Epicenter and Vibes. What an episode here, BetQL Weekend. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. Enjoy the NBA. Uh, enjoy the baseball. And enjoy the greatest two minutes in sports, the Kentucky Derby. You can find us on podcast form and on twitch.tv. Just search BetQL where you're watching us now, hopefully. Have a great weekend. We're back at it next weekend. We'll see you later.